back there with uh, Mrs. Weyerbach and uh, Junior Mrs. Weyerbach, um, Alyssa, and uh, the rest of you can turn your Bibles to John chapter number 11, uh, John chapter 11. I'm so glad to see you today. Uh, you know, I, told, I told Pastor Dana this week, I said, we have so many people gone. I said, I don't know, your family going to be here? I said, my family will be here, and so I'm, I'm just so blessed. We also... Before I move on, I do want to say special congratulations to uh, Brandon O'Brien. Brandon's with us here this morning. Uh, I know many of you know him, many of you do not. Mike and Julie's uh, oldest, not necessarily the wisest, but he's the oldest. Um, but uh, Brandon's one that, you know, he, you were Navy, correct? You still kind of, I don't know how this works now. He, he, he's in the Navy and thought that was too easy, so thought he got treated too well, so then he went into the Army, and I can tell you, you know, so... He just finished your, uh, your officer basic training. Right now you're in officer training school, or is that, is that when? So congratulations to him. That's a great achievement. And um, you know, so if you're one of those guys that, uh, like Andy Boggs, you remember, remember uh, Lieutenant Colonel Boggs, but he did that. He was in the Marines as an enlisted guy for a while. Then he got out, and then he went back into the Marines as an officer after he got his degree. Matter of fact, he commissioned out of PCC. Um, and so, but he had extra, extra credit because people, the, the people knew he'd been on both sides of it, you know, so good for you. All right, uh, this morning we're going to continue on our series that we began uh, several weeks ago that I entitled, God, Where Are You?, out of John chapter 11, and we are going through this chapter in the Bible, verse by verse, through the story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, uh, this family, these siblings, and we know they had a lot of love for each other, and we know the story. Many of you know that Lazarus gets sick and eventually dies and initially, when uh, Martha and Mary send a message to Jesus, the disciples don't really understand, um, and so they're, they're a little confused. And then last week, we looked at uh, verse number 8, 7 and 8, where Jesus tells his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And remember the disciples then, in verse number 8, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. And so they, they remind him that Jesus, we're in a safe place right now in Perea, around the area where John Baptist did most of his ministry. We're out of the jurisdiction of the Sanhedrin, and now you want to go back into the area near Jerusalem where the Sanhedrin has a lot of political power and where there's basically an arrest warrant out for you. And the last time you were there, they tried to kill you. And so the disciples are trying to give him some uh, friendly advice here. And we saw last week that Jesus asks, it's not a command, he invites them to go with him back into a danger zone, and we looked at the idea last week that sometimes God doesn't make sense, and usually God is not in the safe place. God is not in the safe place. We always, you know, as Americans, I think as we looked at last week, sometimes we want to sell out liberty for the sake of safety, and our founding fathers did not hold to that tenet, and as Christians, uh, neither should we, that Finding God is oftentimes stepping out in obedience in areas that literally you say, man, well, I don't know what in the world you're asking me to do here. That scares me to death. Well, that, that, that's a good sign. Well, this morning we're going to move on in our text and go to John chapter 11 and verse 9 and 10. Let's read them together. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you again for today. Thank you for the singing and just the fellowship time we've enjoyed with one another. Continue to watch over those of our family who are away from us right now that are either sick or I know, Lord, many are still traveling, returning from the, the holidays. Lord, I pray that you would just, um, uh, God, I pray you protect them. And now as we look into your word, give us just a, a few moments or a, this time where we can focus on what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Jesus responds when the disciples tell him of late, you know, hey, Lord, if we go there, they wanted to kill you, and, and it's not safe there. And Jesus reminds them that there's only so much time. He says in verse number 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? And he's making a generalized statement here that you got daytime and you got nighttime. And he goes on to contrast the superiority of getting things done in the daytime. His point is you've only got so much daylight, you've only got so much life, Make sure that you choices you make in your life are the ones that are full of wisdom. And if you don't want to mess up your life, if you don't want to stumble, make sure that you're walking during the daytime, that you're walking in the light. A lot of times we waste our time seeking security in ourselves and in our own way, maybe in our finances, maybe in our talent, whatever it is. And uh, I, I imagine, <laughs> I think probably every one of us this morning have had times of our life where we took over the, the wheel of our life and said, okay, Lord, I'm going to drive for a while. And if, if some of you probably drove off into some more uh, wrecks than others, but I think we can all identify times where we said, oh, Lord, I, I, you know, God doesn't make sense to me. I don't think that's a, this is safer. I, we're going to go over here, and then you, your life ends up in some messes. He's telling them and asking them to walk in the light. And I thought it was profound that in verse number 9, he says, you're not going to stumble, verse 9, because he seeth the light of this world. Now, as you know, when you study the Gospel of John, you'll find that John in particular likes this contrast between darkness and light. Uh, it, sometimes he applies that darkness and light to spiritual blindness in terms of somebody who is not a person of faith in Christ uh, versus someone it is. And sometimes he applies darkness and light to a believer that, that instead of walking in the light as an obedient disciple, starts living their life for themselves and thinks they know what they're doing and taking the safe way and their way, and they're, they're not walking in the light, but they're walking in darkness. And matter of fact, in, in his epistles, in 1 John, as we'll see in a minute, uh, we continue to see this contrast between light and darkness. But you'll remember in John's account, in his gospel, very early on in John chapter 1, John kind of laid this foundation in verse 4, where the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. John, from the very beginning, identifies that Jesus is that great light, that he is the only hope in the day, no matter what, uh, how good you think you are, how religious you think you are. You know, oh, I've been confirmed, I've been baptized. Oh, all those were fine, you know, but has there ever been a time where you turn to Jesus Christ, recognizing he alone is the light of the world, and you recognize yourself as a sinner and said, God, I need your mercy and your forgiveness, and you recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you, rose again to offer you eternal life, and that you receive that free gift personally by faith. That's how you start walking in the light. And this morning, just as Jesus in verse 9 here is making the contrast, there's daytime and there's nighttime, in your spiritual standing before God, you're either in the light or you're in the darkness in your standing. Now, in your sanctification, your Christian walk, again, we kind of get off balance a little bit and sometimes go our own way and, and say, okay, God, I'm going I'm to handle it and get in trouble. 
You see, Jesus is asking them to go to a danger zone, a, you know, a dangerous place. And he's asking them to, if they would be willing to freely come along with him. Now, Jesus would further teach this principle that is still applicable to you and me today. Later on, as he moved through his earthly ministry and got near the end of his ministry during that last week, there is, he was in that upper room, and then he began to teach them as they made their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And that wonderful teaching in John chapter 15 of Jesus said that he was the vine. And remember what he said to his disciples in John 15 and verse number 4? Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. There's, there's no either way. And this is exactly what First John gets, and this is free here, but First John is not about whether you're really a Christian or not. The epistles of First John and Second John and Third John is asking believers, are you walking in the light as a Christian? Because you can't have it both ways. Some Christians think they're producing fruit that's made of the flesh. And as John makes in his epistles, the only way to legitimately produce spirit-filled fruit is only as you and I abide in him, as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and that the Spirit produces that fruit and not us. See, a lot of times in churches in particular, we look around, oh, that person's doing this and that person's that, but we can't see into their heart. And I'm afraid that a lot of times, especially we Baptists, can be very guilty of giving, giving young Christians a bunch of rules to follow and teaching them that that is the way that's going to produce fruit. And what ends up happening is we get comfortable in that lifestyle and become quite arrogant in it. And while we may look all righteous on the outside, on the inside we're full of pride and judgmentalism and it's not a God. You see, if you and I, like the disciples, want to produce fruit, Jesus says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without Christ, it, 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 it's of you. It's of me. These things have I spoken unto you. Verse number 11, he, he ends this thought by saying this, I've said these things unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You say, well, how, how do I know if I'm consistently abiding in Christ? You know, one of the byproducts of abiding in Christ is joyfulness. If you're miserable all the time, I would suggest to you you're trying to live life on your own. Because when Christ is abiding in us, regardless of the circumstances, and I'm not saying it's easy, <laughs> no, I ain't saying that, but when you look throughout the scriptures, as we looked at last week, whether you're Daniel in the lion's den, I'm sure that fall down to the pit was pretty bad, but pretty soon old Daniel was going, man, these lion's manes make pretty nice pillows, you know? On sale now at Bed Bath & Beyond. Get your coupon, 20% off, you know? It got all good with Daniel. King comes in the morning and he's all panicked, been up all night. Oh, Daniel, is thy God be able to save thee? And Daniel's down there going, oh, yeah, we're having a great time over here. I got Simba over here and Nala over here. And it wasn't so good for the magicians and the wise men that set up Daniel, though, was it? See, it's better to walk in the light than to stumble in the darkness. And the secret is, as a Christian, just as Jesus... Ask these disciples in John chapter 11. He didn't command them. We saw that last week. The Greek tense is very, very specific. 
He said, do you all want to go with me? I'm going back to Bethany to go to Lazarus' house, and I know it's danger. I know they're at, trying to kill me there, and they want to arrest me there. You want to go with me? You and I have to make a choice to maybe we don't understand where God's leading us to go, but if we know that's where God wants us to go and that's where God's going, I want to be wherever God is, wherever Jesus is in my life. But we got to choose it. Now, I'd like you to consider from the disciples' perspective Again, we looked at last week, where's Jesus asking them to go? Now, we know he's going to the danger zone, but specifically, they're going to a family that most of these disciples probably knew relatively well. These are friends of theirs. And they already are aware that there's a big problem in the household, that Lazarus is so sick that Martha and Mary sent messengers to Jesus asking for help. They knew Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They knew that there's no way just over a hangnail. You know, I mean, I, sometimes in the ministry, it's one of the things that pastors, sometimes we get a little, you know, I set the expect, expectation really well. You know, it, you, you guys can handle your own hangnails. And you, you laugh, but I'm telling you, there are some churches that the expectation of the pastors, every time somebody has a headache or something, the pastor has to come over and lay hands on them. You know, no, be a little tougher. And you all are tough. I appreciate that. Military, Air Force Church, airmen. Okay, we got a few Marines in here, a few tough guys, some Army guys this morning, Navy, Doug's back there. We got some Navy guys here. But this is a family that was really in crisis. And the disciples don't know exactly what they're about to experience, but they know it's not good given the whole circumstances where the family is sick, the family's in crisis, people want to kill you and, and Jesus and his followers, and, and this is not good. But they knew this. They knew they were going to go into a household that there were going to be some people who were very broken. You know, sometimes I think we remove the human element, especially from Martha and Mary. We make a lot of judgments on their behavior. But I would ask you, and some of you, I have been there with you, and it's been an honor, and it is a privilege. But it is hard at times when you get the phone call that somebody that you really, really love is in intensive care, and they don't know you're going to make it. I, Jerry's here with us this morning. My man Jerry's been, one day he's fine, he's taking a nap. The next minute they're taking, if I can be, you know, taking his head apart. I think they made you better, actually. I think they put some, they found some spare brain material. They put it in there, Jerry. But, but those were intense days. And I know y'all that were here remember that. That was intense. And I'm telling you, you go to those, when you go to those waiting rooms and we are facing the loss of somebody that we love very dearly, there is a brokenness of spirit in a realignment of our priorities in life that, that, is, that is quite powerful. And that's what's happening with Martha and Mary. And here Jesus is asking them to go into a danger area to go to a family in crisis. They're going to be in front of people that they love. But i got to tell you this. Do you think they knew what to say? Have you ever been called in to like, get a friend or somebody that you're really close to and you find out they're in a situation like Brother Jerry was in um, sometimes it's hard to go into those situations because we don't know what to say. I know sometimes y'all, that's when you see me show up, I, I can sense it on y'all, y'all going, oh, pastor's here, don't worry, he'll know what to say. <laughs> well, I always got something to say, that's true. But truth be told, inside my heart, I don't know what to say and I never want to come across, I'm, 
I am not God. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes people, why, did, why did this happen? You know, Lazarus is this great guy. He's one of your best friends, Jesus. Why? And sometimes it's hard for us to show up. You know, one of the principles here that I think Jesus is, gonna, is establishing with these disciples that I don't think they ever forgot um, is when you're abiding in Christ and you're living for Him, if you want to really be the Christian God wants you to be, it, it does take discipline and it does take boundaries. We live in a day, especially in America, where pulpits, you know, they, the guys get up and they just tell you, just love Jesus and do whatever you want to do. Now, if you have a genuine love for somebody, that love, by definition, creates boundaries of things you will and will not do because of the impact it has on the one that you love. And you remember what Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I know more of you know that than, than helped out there. But if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience. So there is certainly in the Christian life some things in your life. By the way, there's some boundaries that God's going to have in your life that He may not have in my life. You got issues. I may not have any issues. No, I, I, have, a, I have a longer list of issues, but mine might be different issues. So that, that's why the love relationship, just like if you're a parent, there's some house rules you have that all the kids apply by. But if you're a wise parent, you recognize the uniqueness of each of your children. And each of your children may have some unique boundaries. You know, I found most of the time it wasn't the little girls that were climbing on top of the refrigerator. Right? It's the little boys. What always amazes me about little boys is little boys climb up on the cabinets and get up on, get on top of the refrigerator and then they fall off. And you come in there and you're holding them. And then, then you leave the kitchen and five minutes later, where do you find them? Back on top. This is why every men need women because we don't think. Um, it starts young and then we've hit our heads so many times, falling off, you know, we... We need, we need help. But you go through the Christian life, and you got, it requires boundaries and discipline, but sometimes we make the boundaries and discipline the thing. And sometimes in your life, especially if you're doing that, your Christian life can become very dry. Have you ever been a time where you, you knew you were doing the right thing, and you felt like you were doing here, and, and, but you just felt like your, your spiritual walk was just dry? Where, where, where are you? And one of the things that I think this story really teaches us is that sometimes we can be guilty of just performing for the Lord instead of focusing on being with the Lord. And there's a difference there, isn't there? You know, we saw Martha and Mary, they messed this, Martha in particular messed this up, remember? Initially, she put the priority of serving over worship. But if you read later in the last week of the, of the Lord's life, you'll find the, his last Passover there, you'll find that the Bible just mentions that Martha now, she's still serving, but I believe she's got her priorities right, and her serving is coming out of her worship. It's about being with Jesus and then doing the giftedness that God gave her. And there's a big distinction there. She learned that worship comes first, and then her service comes out of that worship. Now let me just suggest to you, if, if you're in your Christian life, you say, boy, it's kind of dry right now. I just don't really feel, you know, I, I, you know, where is God? That's our series title. Man, I just don't feel, God, where are you? You know, and stuff. One of the things I would at least suggest to you, if, if you desire to feel that reconnection with Christ, I think what most of us are missing most of the time is that brokenness. 
We continue our own agenda and our own stress. And yet, where is Jesus going to take his disciples? He's going to take his disciples to two sisters who are completely broken hearted. Now, what does the Bible say about the ministry of the Messiah and we as Christians in Isaiah 61? Oh, I love these verses. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and opening the prisons to them that are bound. Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that hath eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, the broken ones. Psalm 51, David's great psalm after his sin with Bathsheba, the sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Now here's, here's a great one. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You know, if you want to find out where God is, <laughs> I would suggest you go find somebody who's broken. Go find somebody who's broken. You see, as Ed Underwood said in his book, that's what abiding is all about. It's not performing for Christ, but being present with Him. And sometimes we get so busy working for the Lord, we forget what it's like to be with the Lord. And what God oftentimes will do, matter of fact, I would submit if you're living for God, part of the ministry of every single believer, not just pastors, is for God to bring you and lead you. And as He does, I promise you, if God is near unto the brokenhearted, where is He going to take you? Near to some brokenhearted people. And the problem a lot of times in our Christian lives is we get very comfortable with our own crowd and all this, and we don't want to deal with people's problems. And by the way, I'm not suggesting to you that everybody has a problem is necessarily your mission. Some Christians have that problem. I only respond to the ones that the Holy Spirit leads you to respond to. I'm simply suggest- suggesting to you that as a child of God, He is going to lead you to brokenhearted people. Because that's where God goes. Because when you're not broken, the opposite is you're full of yourself. And when you're full of yourself, what does the Bible say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And how do you get humble when you're broken? Um, Maybe in your prayer life, Maybe we ought to start praying a little more frequently. Lord, show me someone today who is broken and who is hurting. It's been amazing to me, and I know many years ago, Brent Fincham, our Word of Life missionary, I was out to lunch with him, and he's the first one that showed me and gave me the idea of praying with our server at a a restaurant, a sit-down restaurant. And I don't always do it. I do it as the Spirit leads me, but generally I do. And it's been amazing to me how when you reach out to someone and say, hey, I just want to pray for you. Is there some kind of need in your life? How often people, I've had waitresses begin to weep. I've had them get down on their, their knees alongside the table when we pray. and I, People are broken. And if you want to know where God is, I want to feel my spiritual life, I promise you, you start ministering to people who are broken, (laughs) the Holy Spirit's in the middle of that. Yep, it's not safe, 
know it won't always make sense? Yes, it'll take courage. So the disciples choose to follow Jesus, and here they go to friends in crisis, and as Jesus knows, and they will in a couple more verses, they're going to know it's far worse than they think it is. You know, they think Lazarus is really, really sick, and Jesus is about to tell them, oh, no, he's really dead. So Jesus asked the disciples to go see these brokenhearted friends, and sometimes, like I said, we don't always know what to say. I was reading one book about how to deal with, with you know, people that are in times of great crisis and stuff, and one guy was writing in there, he went through a really, a really bad time, and people came in, and he was kind of looking back on it with a little, little, you know, little bit of humor, and he said, you know, so many Christians tell me they don't know what to say, and then they open their mouth and prove it. You know, and I think of Job's friends when Job was under great affliction. Job's three friends came and sat with him for seven days in the ashes. They did great before they started talking. Well, once they started talking, things went downhill from there. By the end of it, it wasn't for Job praying for them. They were going to get a really hearty whooping from the Lord. You see, Jesus leads the friends of Martha and Mary to go to them. And maybe when the disciples got there, they said some dumb things. Find that hard to believe? Now, it's interesting, some, a lot of Bible theologians do not believe Peter was here in John chapter 11. They think he was up in Capernaum at the time. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But we know that Thomas could say dumb things and Philip could say dumb things. I mean, we as disciples, sometimes we say dumb things. But they love the Lord enough to follow where the Lord led them. And they love that family enough to show up. And Jesus said, there's only so much time, 12 hours in a day, if you want to walk in the light, you're not going to stumble. You follow me because you see the light. Sometimes when you're really hurting, and I know this morning there's some of you that deal with chronic pain and chronic illness or when you've been in the hospital in a significant health issue, let's just say our patience isn't always... It's great, you know. Sometimes it's, you know, you don't feel good. You, you might say things, your attitude isn't always maybe what it ought to be. And then sometimes people show up, our Christian friends, and sometimes they, they say really dumb things. But this morning I want to encourage you and challenge you on both sides of it. Remember that sometimes God is the one that is sending them. And people say, I'm in the hospital and I feel really bad. Where is God? Well, he sent you his disciples. Yeah, they might have said some things that they didn't quite know what to say. But they were following his leading. They showed up, and they were a tangible expression of the love of God. Aren't friends a wonderful thing? hope you had a great time this holiday season with family and friends. And one of the principles that I wrote my KCS quote for the week. And this is really good advice. And if you want to have friendships that endure, which you say, I don't have a lot of friends. There's reality of life. It's the reality of life. But if you want to have a few good ones, here's one of the rules you got to put in, just as Martha and Mary, I think, would have had to put in with the disciples showing up. Remember to see the heart of your friend's more than their words.
many a friendship has been ended because of a miscommunication that led to a deepening offense that gets out of control. Before you write off that person you care about, even in a marriage relationship, you had, if they're a dear friend, I hope you will know them well enough to see their heart. Because they hang around you long enough and you go through the hurts of life and they follow God's leading to come show up and try to be a blessing to you and then they say the wrong thing and you see their words more than their heart, you're going to be a very lonely person. See their heart. So Jesus challenges them to walk in the light. I thought it was interesting, as I mentioned, that John continues this idea, this challenge to, specifically to believers in 1 John in his epistle and 1 John chapter number 1 and verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You and I as believers are still walking in our flesh. We still live in the sin and it's only because the blood of Christ is continually cleansing me that I can at all walk with Christ because I, I struggle with sin every single day, every few minutes. I mean, I have to look out here and look at Russ or I look out here and look at Brock and I already start sinning. I get mad and I try to, I think about things I could do to them to make hurt their feelings and then the Lord's going, no, don't do that, you know. I, I, I live with this old flesh that tells me things. But I thought it was interesting in that verse that we all generally can quote, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the first thing that Jesus says you can tell if you walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Too many Christians don't have a lot of fellowship with other believers. And I know sometimes you say, well, I, I hang around Christians and they do bad things. I already covered that. Yes, they do. But at the end of the day, the, Jesus, how are men going to know that you're my disciples? If you have love for one another, if you love someone, you hang around them a little bit. If you're walking in the light, you're loving other Christians. If you have no love for other believers, and I would take that one step farther at New Testament, I'm going to be edgy here. If you're not well connected in a local church, a local body of believers, as a pattern of life, now given you don't have health issues, given some other issues. I want to be balanced here. But on principle, if you don't love other believers, I don't know how in the world you can say you're walking in the light. John follows this up, and again, as John in 1 John makes these really strong, contrasting statements that he says you can't have it both ways. Remember in 1 John chapter 2? He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even till now. I do not believe he's talking about that the person's unsaved. But what he is saying, you can't say you're a child of God in the sense of, and I'm living for God and I'm on fire for God and, and I'm an obedient servant of God and not have a love for your brother. Cannot do it. Impossible. And he goes on in First John, verse number 10 there, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Now get this. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Where do you think John heard that? Right back here in John chapter 11, verse number 10. If a man walk in the light, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. If he walk in the night, excuse me. Jesus asked his disciples, there's 12 hours in a day, only so much time in your life, you're going to make choices every day of where you choose to divvy up your time. 
And Jesus is telling these guys, listen, you can stay in the safe zone. You can stay in your own understanding. But if you want to walk in the light, you choose to follow me. I'm going to take you to the danger zone. I'm going to take you to some broken people. Because as Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And there's going to be a day where I think all of us as Christians are going to say, you know, I wish I'd have spent more time trying to reach other people and serve them and show them the love of Christ than I spent on this, that, or the other. And again, please take this in balance. I think God is, you know, God wants you to have hobbies and wants you to enjoy life and different things, but boy, there ought to be a priority or a segment of your life where you are with intentionality saying, God, I want to serve you and I want to find some people that I can make a difference in their life because now is the day of opportunity. And if you want to know where Jesus is, one place I'd look is near the brokenhearted. I remember several years ago, I could not remember exactly when this is in my own life, but several years ago, um, I, I was uh, in the midst of uh, with the disease that I live with in a, in a flare, is what they call it. I know some of you here this morning know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, I had suffered particularly brutally for about 12 hours or so, and I had not slept in like two days. And um, this was on a Thursday and a Friday. And that particular Saturday, we were scheduled to have our Go Outreach program on Saturday morning. By the way, we're working on I don't know if we're going to replace the go. Come up with some new idea to do outreach, but we're working on that. But y'all remember we'd go on Saturdays to the go program. We'd go visit new move-ins. And um, I had really been hurting. And finally, the pain was ebbing off early that, that Saturday morning. And Jenny pretty much said, ordered me to bed because I was getting to that state where I was not being nice and not nice pastors, not nice not good. <laughs> Not good. She goes, you're staying here. And as a good husband, I said, yes, dear, I, I will stay here. And um, so I crawled back in bed and, and I was still wrestling around a little bit and asking God just to let me finally have some rest. And I can't remember exactly, but um, Jenny had called and told the leadership here that I wasn't going to be here in person that day and the, they were running the GO program. And I think it was Pastor Danny. I think it was before you were Pastor Danny. I think it's when you were you know, whoever, Danny, uh, was it you? Um, I, I think it was him and Rob Rowe. Somebody, a couple of the guys that were out there ended up having a visit, a new move-in that was right down the block from our house. And so they went and made the visit, and then they had the brilliant idea, let's stop in and see Pastor. So I'm just about falling asleep after two days of tremendous suffering, and all of a sudden there's at the door, and then they're ringing the doorbell. And you ever know how they sometimes people come with air horns, you know? You know? And I'm one of those guys, once I, you know, I'm going wide awake and all that. And uh, I, first I thought Jenny was going to just go out there and there were going to be two less odd Baptists in the world. Um, and they eventually stopped and went away. And then I got a text a couple hours later when I woke up. I got a text saying, I think it was from you. Was, was that you, Pastor Danny? I can't remember. Okay, it was you. Uh, it, it, and, and I got this text saying, Pastor, man, I know that was really a dumb idea. I'm sorry. And I remember it in the moment, I was not, I didn't know who was knocking on the door, but I knew I shouldn't go answer the door because I probably was not going to give a spirit-filled answer. And yet, when I woke up from the nap and the pain had subsided a little bit, and I thought about that, 
I remember thinking, what an awesome thing that two men, young men, military men, tough men, are out on a Saturday morning sharing their faith. They're walking in the light. They're following where Jesus is telling them to go. And then, although they didn't do it the right way, in the middle of their serving, they didn't lose sight of somebody that they cared about very deeply. See? It's only 12 hours in a day. Walk in the light, and you won't stumble. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, help us to walk in the light. Help us to minister to the brokenhearted. Uh, Lord, I know in my own life, um, Lord, there's been times of great brokenness. Thank you for the people you sent. Thank you for the friends that you've blessed me with. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that today, right where they sit, or if they're watching online, my dear friend, the Bible says in Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you believe on Jesus Christ for your eternal destiny today? How about it, dear believer? Are you walking in light? Is there, are you following God and you know there's maybe he's tugging at your heart so you need to go do this? He says, but Lord, I'm out, it's out of my comfort zone. That may be exactly where God's calling you to serve. Are we mindful of the brokenhearted? Holy Spirit of God, help us to be a church that loves people, helps us to be a church that's willing to be the friends that people need and just be a tangible expression of your love. Thank you for the teaching again of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Brother Johnny's going to lead us in a verse.